if they see there is possibilities for them to improve their lives, they might get the support by listening. Just by listening to this podcast alone could be a way for them to change their lives. I say, okay, I don't have access to this, but I'm listening to people that look like me and then can transfer those skills into uh, a different environment, whether it's library, schools, they'll be able to see a different perspective. I don't know if that's the route, the only route, but we need to get more involved and be seen so that more people, parents and students feel that there is an opportunity out there. Get the online learning joy with EdTech Guru. Hi all, thanks for joining us today. Today I'd like to welcome Ellie Garcia. Ellie and I worked briefly together at the Manchester College back in 2016. And since then, she's gone on to doing great things. Ellie is a Pearson Edexcel examiner, the CEO of A2I Academy, and a managing partner at Honeycomb Agency. Welcome, Ellie. Thank you, Stacey. Uh, thank you for the introductions as well. And yes, it has been a while since we started at the Manchester College. It's just a great experience to grow from there and being able to have my business. So thank you for inviting me. Thank you for being here. Ellie, do you want to tell our listeners about your background? We might have early tutors listening who might be inspired to follow up in your footsteps or indeed inspirational really. Yeah. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about your background, Ellie? Certainly. So to start with, obviously I came from Portugal, a different background altogether coming to UK. I always knew I wanted to be in education. So I started very early in primary school. So for me, it was a great experience to start in Peterborough at the time, a small primary school where I was able to support people from different backgrounds and have the, sorry, just going back to my experience. I relieved it every time I speak about it, being in that environment. So I had the opportunity to see all those young students blossom learning a new language as well, because the majority were from European countries where they have difficulty learning the English language. And I brought the parents into the schools to get the language skills uh, sped up because if the parents speak it, the students speak it as well. And I used to introduce quite a lot of support in terms of language skills, cultural skills, and embed that into the primary school community. Mm -hmm. That was my first start in education as a TA and EAL teaching assistant. And I gained quite a lot of knowledge from there up to advanced teaching assistant. And I decided to progress into the next stage, which was supporting adult learners as well to learn the language. Which sounds different because today I'm teaching maths, but in this case was again to incorporate a bit of fashion design with maths and English to develop those skills within the community. And this is when I moved up north to carry on the educational 
uh, side of things. And I've done this for a short period of time till I decide I need to offer some qualifications. I can't just deliver sessions for the adult learners and not having that extra edge where they can use what they've learned to find jobs. Uh, to be able to improve their life skills as well. End up in Bolton uh, University or University of Bolton, where I decided to become a teacher. And through my uh, qualifications, I was able to complete the maths assessment and so on, and the background in business and finance. They said I had a fantastic opportunity to start teaching maths. Why not? combine them both because I have industry expertise, the areas that retail, we're talking about several areas that we could use my expertise and adapt within the classroom. And that was the best experience ever because I was able then to bring a lot of the skills that is required for employability into a maths environment as well. Mm. And when I started, I just realized that so much I could support the learners with that is not just the key skills in maths and English. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Now I didn't know all that. This is so interesting. Straight away as you started talking now, our history are probably very similar. LA, I didn't come from Portugal. I originated from Jamaica, but I didn't know that I wanted to be a teacher straight away. So you've gone through the whole system of primary school, working with adults and then coming back to working in a college environment. But the link for us, I think, is coming from abroad as well as the link with employability. So I, I trained as a hairdresser and it was during ha teaching hairdressing that I really identified that need and that understanding how English was placed in the hairdressing sector because I found that a lot of students really struggled to understand how the English and maths really mattered in core subjects and I guess that's where your strength would come in but just to go back to the language thing I was speaking to a lady and that podcast hasn't been released just yet but it will be and we were talking about Manglish because we know that the language of maths is universal but actually if you're not understanding the English for the scenarios that's where the maths can be a bit of a struggle really would you agree with that Ella? A hundred percent you just nail it on the head there and it is really difficult sometimes to put this into perspective in a classroom. I'm not talking just about having students that are from different backgrounds. Even native speakers from UK have that issue where they really struggle with some keywords that is not regularly used in the classroom or is not regularly used in their daily lives. And sometimes we have to come up. And I like the fact that you raised Manglish because it's the first time. It's first time I heard it. I read a lot, but that didn't come up yet. But yeah, there is a maths language between what you do in the classroom, what you apply in the work environment that is not common. And if you struggle, especially coming from different backgrounds, uh, it does have an impact when it comes to sit an exam or even to transfer those skills in the workplace, certainly. 
Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So we're up to the point of you deciding to do maths with Bolton University. From there, what did you do? Tell me more. From there, there were many opportunities, experience working with adults as well as being an environment of private schooling. And for some of you that are probably the audience that doesn't know uh, what private schooling is in UK is different than the European countries. We call it here public, which is strange. So I had the opportunity to be in the same environment as uh fee paid students with adults as well within the Oldham setting, uh, adult learner. And that was another amazing experience through my PG training. Mm -hmm. That gave me an edge in terms of what is required for adult learners and what is required for the younger uh, students as well at secondary level. And it's a completely different discipline within the classroom and you learn about behavior management and so on. And it's really interesting to see that the adults have this willingness to thrive just to be in an environment that is not theirs initially, but they want Mm -hmm. to become part of. And while learning maths, they were also developing their English skills and understanding how that impacts their daily life. Things that I would introduce in the classroom that they could improve their lives financially. They, they could support their children with homework and it does have a life impact on the side of education and the maths learning and progressing then onto other careers that over the time you're not just contributing for the educational sector you definitely have an impact in society which is key Absolutely. I completely agree. It's it's that andragogy, isn't it? You, they, they see the purpose of why they are there and they're far more motivated. Did you ever do anything in high school? We You've touched on something here with, with regards to teaching in general, I think. Primary school, I find that children just do want to learn. They're inquisitive. They want to know more. They also want to please you. They will work hard and do as you've asked them to do. Adults, again, whilst they do have constraints, they've got that, find that work-life balance and juggling with being parent, if they're employed as well in employment. But in the main, like you say, they do want to gain that certification to, to take that next step. What are your thoughts towards high school students? Have you dealt with high school students? Yes, I have. I have, as most people that know me. I always had an edge to understand educational sector from primary, as you've seen my start, all the way to higher education. And in secondary schools, I was able to participate while I was working with agencies. And I had obviously the perspective of being a supply as well as being a full-time teacher um, within the private sector or public sector, as we call it, fee-paying schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in secondary school, what I notice is there is um, a higher need for students to grasp their basics because they haven't seen the relationship, what they've done in primary school, to what they're doing in secondary school. And the main focus there is trying to help them uh, understand that they have this gap that 
is required for them to maintain up until their GCSE. The forgotten language of maths that they learn in primary school uh, seems not to transfer for some reason. I think in secondary school, students believe that it's all content for the GCSEs when they get to year nine, year 10, year 11, but it's a mm. continuity that is missing. And I think it's, it's very hard in education to go back in topics, but it's refreshing that. And the edge that some students have is having that extra support from home. So if parents engaging tutoring or give their extra support at home, I saw a difference because they do maintain those key skills that they should have uh, retained from primary and carry on to secondary schools. And so I probably have a big gap in terms of learning and achievement when we get to secondary school for the GCSE exams. So we hope to reduce that gap. And I think the pandemic kind of brought that to light, that the extra support at home it's an added value to everything that is done in class, especially at secondary level. Yeah, that, that makes sense a hundred percent. I'm just wondering because we're saying that, yes, it's beneficial if students do work in primary school and they understand it, they move on to secondary school and by year nine, they're not really seeing that link of what they've done previously. I understand that we could help them if parents got involved. Some parents don't feel like they are skilled enough to do that. So the way that I remember the way that I was taught maths, for example, I might have been taught one specific way. And I know that in modern day teaching, there are different techniques that could be used to teach students. And so some parents, they don't necessarily have the confidence or... I say they, me. Okay, let me just turn that around and say me. I wouldn't have the confidence to support my kids at the stage that they're at now. I've got a, a, a daughter who is coming up to 16. So she's doing her GCSEs at the moment. And then my older child, he's doing further maths. He's got it. Actually, both my kids have got the maths. And I can't say it was down to me. It was in the beginning when I had confidence in the knowledge, but as they get older and as the maths get a little bit more complex, I'm stuck with, actually, your teacher's taught you that way. I learned it this way. I don't want to confuse you. So I'm just wondering, as aside from parents helping students, how do you think in the education sector, we could help students to connect what they've learned in primary and in high school is there something missing in the way that we present that information to them to help them to understand that it is transferable does does that make sense because that is a long question i'm just trying to understand how, yeah how could the education sector in your opinion help students to connect what they've done in primary school to the gcse qualification in your opinion, Ella? Yeah, this could be, yeah, it's a long question and definitely in, from my end, and I apologize if I sound biased in that sense, but the reality is the parents have parent engagement and we need to discern one from the other. 
parent engagement and support sometimes can be in different forms. Schools now have quite a lot of support with the national tutoring service. And I think that's where we can get that parental support and engagement. It's probably different things. The parental support where parent is pretty much aware how to deliver that uh, content and a parent that have no idea, like you mentioned in maths is probably uh, the most common one. The parent might not be able to, to support with the actual content mm-hmm. or the topics and take them to the next level, but they can bring in someone that can support them. And again, I'm, I'll be biased, not just in terms of schools having access to tutoring services now that it's been implemented nationwide since the pandemic happened, but the ones that can afford or can supplement the educational side of things at home, then they can see that retention of content over time from primary onwards, because there's more time for the student to ask questions individually or ask questions in a smaller group where they can gauge where, for example, the tutor will identify exactly where they're struggling with, where there is a terminology. And I'm inclined even to use the word Manglish again, like you mentioned before, because it's the language of maths that sometimes can be um, translated over and over again, because we have a curriculum to deliver in in the classroom and we have time constraints, where if you are on a one-to-one, those whys and those inquiries become amplified. And that's what we see when we deliver in the tutoring online, that there is more flexibility and that trust that the student has with the tutor allows them as well to inquire more, even if the session takes a bit longer which is not the same within the classroom, especially at secondary level, certainly with um, 30 or more students in a classroom. It's not as easy to have that line of inquiry. Yeah. Does that make sense, I think? Oh, yeah, definitely. So I am going to come to the personal tutoring, but I think that straight away I'm thinking, mm, I agree and I hear what you're saying, but I'm thinking about families who can't afford the tutoring that's where that divide just gets a little bit bigger doesn't it like I say I originated from Jamaica and my mum wouldn't have been able to afford tutoring for me when I was of that age and I just think that's where that gap of people who can afford it and people who can't just the access doesn't make it a a, a level playing field anymore does it but that's just my thoughts there straight away and I know that's probably how the world works in a way but I'm just thinking how can we help everyone I like the the idea that you you mentioned now about the disparities Mm -hmm. in wealth I would say it's literally a disparity in wealth that impacts on education and I see that a lot as well, especially if we start talking about technology and digital skills, because there is where there is a gap in who can afford and who can't afford. And I think the pandemic kind of 
open up the eyes that mm-hmm. there is a gap, especially in communities that are more deprived. And the most impactful is, as much as it's hard to say, black and brown communities are most affected in that set because there is clusters that doesn't allow them to see beyond what they've got. And parents struggling sometimes in making decisions because they don't have uh, that extra support financially, nor the educational background. It's hard and it's something that needs to be addressed. And some of it was addressed and I hope it's not just for a short period of time with the national tutoring services pairing up with the schools and colleges, especially in deprived areas where most people can get access through extra tuition that is affordable, meaning it doesn't come at a cost to the parent. But obviously we know we're talking about budgets. How long will they stretch? It's another politics that I wouldn't be able to discuss, I think. It's something mm. that then we can manage. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of technology, yes, it's not as accessible for communities that are most deprived. And we try and sugarcoat as much as we like, but knowing that we are in a digital world where some people don't have access to, to devices uh, at home and they might have to go to the nearest school or the nearest library. How can we decrease the gap? And I think this is a bigger uh, conversation that we need to have with our politicians to be able to support our communities better because it will improve if everyone has access to the same level of education, to the same level of support and have access to private tutoring or offered by schools or paid by parents, that would be the next level where the country would benefit. Any country that invests more in that sense and Mm -hmm. give opportunities to all. Absolutely. And we expect our students to grow and lead the country. So it is an investment for the country over overall, really, wouldn't you say, Ella? Yeah, certainly. And I do believe that wholeheartedly. And to have, like I mentioned before, I came from Portugal and my parents have a, a background from Cape Verde. And for me, knowing that they couldn't read and write and made sure all their children could read and write and when we all went um, to university, most of us, we all know, most of us went to university and we're trying to get as much as we can for our children. That is the impact that we're having today in education because we can be represented as well. So when our children don't see us represented in places like in education STEM, a big one, uh, because if you're not represented in science, you don't see it, then what are the other opportunities? We're not talking just about the digital world. We're talking about what do black and brown children see day in, day out within their school environment, within their communities, and what are the opportunities out there? And the fact that we are more present and we are able to communicate through different means, this podcast is a great example. We'll be able to transfer those um, voices and presences that this young generation requires. So what can we do is being as we are at the moment, showing that we are present and that they can achieve um, their dreams, whether it's in STEM, whether it's in 
business, whether it's in entrepreneurship, whatever is required for us to do in terms of uh, community and be present in each and every step of their their lives. Because representation is a big thing. If they don't see it, they don't know they can achieve it. And us changing the narrative constantly by being present in social education and the TV where most young people are probably tuned into, uh, podcast, Facebook, all the social media that is out there. If they see there is possibilities for them to improve their lives, they might get the support by listening. Just by listening to this podcast alone could be a way for them to change their lives by saying, okay, I don't have access to this, but I'm listening to people that look like me and then can transfer those skills into a different environment, whether it's library, schools, they'll be able to see a different perspective. I don't know if that's the route, the only route, but we need to get more involved and be seen so that more people, parents and students feel that there is an opportunity out there. I agree. That's really resonates with me. I think even for me, I didn't have many of my family members go to university, but to believe that you can and to be taught by people of colour, females as well, it just, if you can envision it, if you can dream it, believe it, you can make it happen. But like you say, they need to actually see it as well. So powerful, Ella. And I guess what I want to move on to next is you're a CEO, Ella. <laughs> You're a CEO, oh my gosh, of a company named A2I Academy. So just, can you tell us a little bit more about that, please? Certainly. Uh, A2I Academy was an extension of how I can reach as many people as I can to give the same level of support in terms of achieving their their goals, which is getting the grade, passing an exam, having the highest grade at GCSE. And I was traveling north and south, literally to support as many uh, students as I could say, north and south of Northwest. And it was intriguing that I became a bit consumed with helping more students after work, after working a full-time job. I tried that. And I was literally thinking of ways how I can still transfer knowledge without impacting so much on my life because I am a single parent. Davey now 17, I can say nearly 18, nearly coming to a stage where it doesn't require so much support. But during 2016, up to 2017, I realized becoming a CEO of an organization rather than working as well for other, other I would say, institutions, it, it did help me understand how can I impact change and actually reach more students. So I thought the online platform is out there. At that time, I think we heard about Khan Academy. Mm -hmm. and. 
obviously being a, a big explorer of the technologies as well, I decided to look into setting up my own organization online. So I thought about all the platforms we have nowadays and I tried from Skype to Zoom. At the time, Zoom was nowhere where it is now. I tried Teams when it came in 2017, 2018, the first trial. And I thought I can reach more people just by being online. How can I now expand that and let everyone know? So I've done a lot of networking throughout and just realizing that is building that trust with people and encouraging parents as well to see that there is a potential that their children can improve their skills with just one extra support, whether he's doing homework or whether it's the same topics that they might not be fully covered within the classroom because of the number of students. So it helped me gauge uh, a wide number of parents that were interested. This was all through networking, north and south of the country. End up meeting parents in Ely, Cambridge, Peterborough, London, Liverpool, everywhere and build this kind of tribe. And most of the parents started earlier on, actually yesterday was reaping the results of this four years at least of having year sevens, eight, nine, for them to come and sit the exam in November last year, one year before they sit their real exams and seeing them passing is really building uh, that CEO skill which is networking. That's number one skill in, and building a good report with parents. Majority of them were parents that I met initially through networking and then word of mouth and then developing the social media skills and sales skills that start growing HY Academy. Amazing. So you've just alluded to it, LA. You, your students received their GCSE reset results this week yeah. um go on exactly it wasn't actually reset if you think about it because he's a first class oh yeah absolutely with the odd one i think we had only two of the students there that were adults and they needed for university that was again another life changing and to wake up to it actually i think we have 70 percent of the students that sat the exam are female wow. and they are taking on further maths or A-level maths. And I think that's, again, the impact we're having on women nowadays is that they can see the potential. These young adults know now that maths is key for some of the careers they want to take on board. Yes. <laughs> but you've not said it. Tell me or tell the audience, what were the results like? Oh, uh, we had quite a few fives, quite a few fours, but the most, I think the impactful results uh, being on the phone all day yesterday, uh, we had obviously a nine from a student that really, she's going to be definitely doing greater things. And a motto was number one, was getting a nine, that's for sure, which before when I met her was definitely having an A star. And so she got a nine and for any audience that is not aware of the new system, the A star now is considered a nine or A star. 
The student have a pathway that she chose to go either to Oxford or Cambridge. And with the engagement of the parents, with the support, we were able to triangulate. The other students as well had similar aims going to university. But again, sometimes just getting that pass, getting that four or that five, that's all yeah. they needed to get in uh, yeah. for their area and careers. So all of them, the biggest impact and result is seeing them blossom and come out feeling they can accomplish something and they yeah. can now make better choices for their career. And so powerful. It's very powerful and I can't express in words. I know it was just yesterday and then I'm trying to get to words with it, but having a full cohort that we worked together for the past two to four years and come to this point and say, yes, we can achieve if we work together, it makes a massive difference in their lives because now they can go to the university of their choice. They'll be able to have a career of their choice. They'll be able to make better choices in their finances. They will transfer this. This is an intergenerational change as well. Knowing that majority are female and they take you on board careers in STEM, their children and their future families will take this with them. It's something that we should be proud of that we're achieving. So I am very privileged to be in this position today as a CEO and see students progress so quickly and earlier on, which is phenomenal. So we should see more females in STEM and CEOs bringing on innovation and support as many people as possible. Fantastic. And so I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you then, Ellie, tell me about the EdTech tools that you use to support your cohorts to improve their skills. Oh, yes. Oh, so many. But one definitely that is becoming forefront of our teaching and learning at the moment. Besides the creative ones that I do via WordPress, quizzes is one of the tools that is just innovating possibly for any teacher that requires students to show their skills, to understand the gaps in learning, to bring out all the data that tells us how we can best support. So it goes both ways. And I love the fact that he's very interactive and he has this gamified approach that for young learners to adult learners, it works wonders because they can see their progress. We can add feedback, instant feedback. And for me, it's key in education, the instant feedback that can be leveraged from all the technology that we have available. And many others, such as I mentioned before in one of my podcasts that we have Mr. Barton with all the questions, the bank of questions for now many subjects. That is instant feedback for our students. They straight away can see all the content from maths, English, science nowadays, a wide range of subjects on questions.com and instant feedback that we can uh, retrieve from completing those tasks and for the teacher's perspective to individualize the feedback because it's, it's very difficult when you have a cohort of, let's say, 
150 students to work with to teach us using those resources, it saves a lot of time. Everything is a learning curve, but once that learning curve in terms of knowing how the system works, how to use it to their advantage and to the advantage of the students, I think it's phenomenal. It's a great investment in your time as a teacher, isn't it? I, I have used quizzes as well for English. Quizzes, for those who don't know, I, it reminds me a little bit of Kahoot, but better. I agree, it's about the data. The, the, the back end of that particular EdTech tool is just phenomenal. So I 100% agree with you there. Mr. Barton, I haven't... I haven't really needed to use that because I, I don't teach maths, but I have heard good things about that too, that, that system as well. Did not realise he did work on science, so that's new too. Those are valuable. And what do you use WordPress for, Ellie? Because you mentioned that originally. Fantastic question. I am very techy in a sense. And when I started as a CEO, probably was considered the jack of all trades. Knowing now is very positive. It's mm -hmm. better to start with something than nothing. And I started twinkling, twinkling with my website. So I started developing the website and creating resources through the website. So all my sessions are tailored for our students, which meant sometimes you need to create something from scratch. So I use WordPress where the website is attached to it. And we have lots of plugins that we can create our own standalone resources from quizzes uh, where you can have drag and drops, you can have uh, match, match the cards. Absolutely everything that we do in a classroom physically with cutout cards, we can do it within the WordPress with plugins. It's very technical, but it's worth it. And because I have feedback from the students on a regular basis, I see them weekly. My, my teachers as well see them weekly. We tweak the session a week in advance to give them the support the following week. So that means you can have plug and play to create the resources for the next lesson and for them to use it as well as e-learning. Because the advantage of being online for us, which now it became another way of leveraging, is the recording sessions. All the sessions are recorded and posted. And then below the sessions, you have the quizzes or the whiteboard that you can use as well within WordPress, where they can comment, where they can write. Handwriting is a, a skill that I think shouldn't die at all, especially because we have so many skills that are dying because of EdTech, but we should actually embrace. And the fact that most tablets nowadays have a pen attached to it, we can use it directly on the WordPress using a whiteboard plugin for the students to actually express themselves. And it takes us back to... Not everyone learns the same. So just because we have a laptop doesn't mean we have to type everything. We can also write, draw, express our views in a different format. So WordPress has helped me plug and play quite a lot of uh, resources that I can say they are my own creation uh, when you start from scratch. Um, but yeah. Thank you for asking Oh, no, I'm just, I'm very nosy. <laughs> and I'm just to the, to the point where I'm thinking, so it's the matching of the cards and the drag and drops. Do you use like a H5P for that? Or... Yes, there's a, there is a H5P for that as well. And we use the H5P for the videos. So where we have the interaction 
can have the plug in place within the video. For example, if you want a student to answer a question, you can pause that video and offer that within the app. So that is an, another tool that can be plugged in onto WordPress, which is great. Again, that gives opportunity for the students to have a better engagement and to work at their own pace. We need to be very clear that education is not for everybody to do it at the same rate. We don't expect people to pass at the same rate. Yes. It is a, a reality. So that means we give them that the opportunity to go back to those resources or during a session, allow the student to go at their own pace. The same happened with quizzes as well as the WordPress uh, plugin. You give that opportunity for the learner to go at their own pace. Mm -hmm. So important. The individualized learning and like you say, just being able to take the time to digest the information is key for our students, for them to be able to come to that understanding in their own time. Amazing. Ellie, just wow. Just wow. We've gone over our time a little bit. I hope you, you, you're you okay with that. Yeah, um, definitely. Thank you so much for being here. I just want to say, actually, to any black or brown females who aspire to progress in maths or any STEM program, really, the sciences, it's possible. It is possible. Ellie continues to inspire young girls even to progress into advanced maths, like she's just mentioned, which is truly amazing. Ellie, keep in touch, keep going, and maybe you'll be happy to come back onto the podcast platform in the near future. Certainly. I really appreciate you inviting me and definitely in the near future. Let's do this again. Thank you, Ellie. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. You've been listening to EdTech Joy with Stacey Foy. All music and song was written by Alistair Rain. Our fabulous singer is our music student, Lily Hartley. Rick Longdon is on the piano and Rosie Fortune is our producer. Catch us next time on EdTech Joy with Stacey Foy. Mm-hmm.